When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Fight week is upon us, fight fans. We're ready for Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder too. And in preparation for that, we decided to do a little special one-off episode documenting world heavyweight title fights that have included UK versus USA. And it's a great little segment to the fight week of Fury Wilder 2 because obviously there's so many fights that have happened over the course of boxing history and I think it's good to highlight some of them big fights including legendary names in there. So as always we're going to go through a list of what we've got for you and, and, and all the different fights from over the years. Johnston has always put together some great facts, some great figures, some great information to, to give us a little bit of a different insight into this heavyweight fight week. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's obviously, we did re- repeat revenge for uh, Anthony Joshua and uh, uh, Andy Ruiz. So we wanted to do something slightly different. And the fact that we have an Englishman, a Brit, in Tyson Fury against the, heavy, the current WBC heavyweight champion as the USA heavyweight champion. You know, the British fighters against the Americans is always, you know, it, it's got a little bit of spice to it, hasn't it? It's got a little bit more than just, you know, a heavyweight against another guy from another country. For me, it, it's always, it just signifies a bigger presence, if you like. So I think it's quite, a, it, was a, it was an interesting idea that we thought we'd, 
we'd make it about UK versus USA. And, uh, yeah, we'll just run through some of the fights. Uh, we'll mention the t- world title rematches, and then, obviously, we'll mention the fights that have actually happened, all 37 of them, of uh, UK fighters against USA fighters, but all world title fights only. So, something you can dig through the history and you can watch back, if you like, just to get you, get you guys interested in and up, and up for the big one coming up on Saturday night. Obviously, USA and UK have always historically been regarded as two great power countries of the world they've not always been given the greatest of press there's always been debatable decisions that have been made in the world of politics and historical figures that have been involved in it but the usa and uk have always been two of the countries that have always essentially fought for bragging rights against each other it's always been about the bragging rights side of things when it comes to sports and whilst maybe the, the UK's football team, or the England football team, go in and are probably a little bit better than the USA f- football team or soccer team. But then you've got, obviously, USA athletics that are probably better than some of the UK. So it's it's always been swings and roundabouts in the world of sports in the UK and USA. But boxing has always held a, a great place in a lot of people's hearts. And I think this is two men that are getting inside of the ring and they're fighting for heavyweight championships of the world, but they're also representing the UK or the USA. And, and this is why we wanted to to do something this week, because we've got, obviously, a UK and a USA fighter, like you mentioned, Johnston. And what yeah. better way to, to, to represent, really, than, than going through a list of some of these great fights that we've got in history. So the list that we're going to go through first is what you've said earlier, is the UK versus USA World heavyweight title rematches. So we're going to start from way back in 1899. So James J. Jeffries knocked out Bob Fitzsimmons in the 11th round of a scheduled 20 rounds. There you go, 20 rounds when it went and it used to go that far on the 9th of June in 1899 to win the lineal heavyweight title at Coney Island in Brooklyn, New York. <laughs> 1899, incredible, isn't it, really? And James J. Jeffrey, yeah, got rid of Bob Fitzsimmons and then the rematch happened. Three years later, James J. Jeffries ended up retaining that lineal heavyweight world title with another knockout of Bob Fitzsimmons, but some in only the eighth round of a scheduled 20, and that was on the 25th of July, 1902, at the Arena in San Francisco, California. So it was just an intriguing one, obviously, the American winning the title from Bob Fitzsimmons and then retaining it after. So America pretty much on the up from that point and straight away taking advantage over the Brits. When you looked back through the history books then, Johnston, you looked for yeah. significant fights that had gone on between UK and USA fighters over the years. What was the next big one for you? I mean, it took a long time for there to be a rematch involved for world heavyweight titles and and funny enough, the first one that happened, well, it didn't happen until uh, 1989. So, you know, you're thinking 100 years later, basically. And it was Mike Tyson against Frank Bruno. So following Mike Tyson's destruction of Michael Spinks in just 91 seconds, he was following fight for t- to uh, defend the WBA, WBC, uh, IBS and the ring and the lineal. So he had the old lot. He was the undisputed camp, obviously, after that. Michael Spinks' demolition. And he, and he fought Frank Bruno on the 25th of February, 1989, at Las Vegas, 
in the Hilton, Winchester, Nevada. And he obviously got rid of Frank Bruno on that night. And then the rematch was on the 16th of March. So it was a few years later in 1996 against Frank Bruno again. Knocks him out in the third round this time. And Mike Tyson went on to, to win that title because Frank Bruno was the WBC champion at the time after beating McCall, which is that we'll mention in a minute. But that was at the MGM. Uh, it was for the WBC title. And so Tyson, you know, a few years later, when it basically was in destructive fashion against Frank Bruno once again. And that was Frank Bruno's last ever fight in the pro ranks as well. So you were talking about Oliver McCall there. Oliver McCall obviously had his ups and downs throughout the 1990s. But one of the most significant ups of his career was back in 1994 on the 24th of September when he decided to come over to the Wembley Arena in London to face our champion, the British heavyweight champion of the world, or in some people's eyes, Canadian, Lennox Lewis, he had the WBC title at the time and it was a shock defeat and it's one of them shock defeats of Lennox Lewis's careers and it was the first one of his career where he got in the ring with Oliver McCall and he got caught cold in this particular fight and he got stopped in just two rounds in that one in front of his home crowd which was at the time a shocking a shocking defeat for him really because obviously this was the ascension of Lennox Lewis in 1994. Riddick Bowe didn't want to fight him. Riddick Bowe had dumped the WBC title famously into the bin. So Lennox Lewis obviously became WBC champion. He fought and he won the WBC title and he go on to compete in various great fights as we will mention throughout the course of the episode but this was a shocking one because obviously he would lose the world heavyweight title after this now he would go on to rematch Oliver McCall and it was one of the one of the strangest uh, ends to a fight that we've probably seen in boxing history so after Tyson had vacated the WBC title, which is the one he won off Frank Bruno, which he was mentioning a little bit earlier. He won that in 96. Lennox Lewis was able to obviously extract revenge over Oliver McCall. Now, this was a fifth-round knockout, but essentially it wasn't really a knockout. It was more like a retirement, really, because Oliver McCall basically had a mental breakdown in the middle of the ring uh, and just started crying in the middle of the ring. And 7th February 1997 at Las Vegas, Hilton, it's one of them moments in boxing history that will never, it'll just never be, it'll probably never be replayed again. We'll never see anything like that again. It's one of them moments. And Lennox Lewis will then once again become the WBC heavyweight champion. <laughs> it was a really funny one that, that night and really strange. I mean, I mean, McCall used to come out crying most of the time. He used to come out with tears in his eyes as he walked to the ring. And, you know, we all know if, if anyone ever knew about Oliver McCall, you know, he had his problems with some drug problems. So I'm guessing. That didn't help either. So, uh, but mo- moving on with uh, Lennox Lewis once again. So, Lennox Lewis, this was this time, the next rematch of the heavyweights was in 1999. It was at the MSG, Madison Square Garden in New York, and it was for the WBC, WBA, IBF, and Lineal World Titles. It was on March 13th. And it was against Evander Holyfield, and it was also the most one of the most controversial draws you will ever witness in boxing as a whole, let alone just the heavyweight business. I mean, I think it's one of the most controversial in heavyweight boxing history, and it's certainly one of the most controversial in boxing in general. And how Lennox Lewis didn't get that win, we'll never know. You can check it, the details of that particular fight out on, on our legendary nights, which, we, which we've done. So, you know, Lennox Lewis, Amanda Holyfield, go and check that out. It's, it's a great listen. And then in the rematch, Lennox Lewis, 
Literally straight away, same year, 1999, in November November 13, he won a 12-round unanimous decision over Evander Holyfield at the Thomas and Mack Centre in Paradise, Nevada. So Lennox Lewis would feature yet again because he would end up being upset for a second time in his, of his career and the only other defeat on his record was against Hassan Rachman, the underdog. This was a fight which we've spoke about in our Legendary Nights podcast because we have done the tale of Rackman versus Lewis, which predominantly covered the second fight, but obviously also give a big background into this particular first fight. So go and check that Legendary Night out as well while you're at it. But this particular first fight happened the 22nd of April 2001 at the Carnival City, Brookpan in South Africa. This was a fond memory and a bittersweet memory for me personally as a fight fan because I remember staying up till God knows whatever time it was, the early hours of the morning to watch Lennox Lewis, you know, my hero at the time of the heavyweight division at this particular period of time, going there expecting him to blow through this unknown quantity, this unknown challenger in Hassan Rackman and only for Hassan Rackman to catch him cold, knock him out in five rounds, which was... Uh, a, a shocking upset, shocking, shocking upset. Now, this fight nearly, this rematch nearly didn't happen. And when we talked about our legendary night that we covered for the tale of Rachman Lewis, there's a lot more detail as to why this potentially nearly didn't happen. So, again, if you're not a fan of our legendary nights podcasting, what are you waiting for? Get over there and check it out because <laughs> there's a really good story behind what happened in the build-up to this particular second fight. But Lennox Lewis would gain sweet revenge over Hassan Rackman with an absolutely stunning knockout, one of the best knockouts in boxing history, in my opinion, on November the 17th, 2001, at the Mandalay Bay Event Centre in Paradise, Nevada, recapturing the world titles that he'd won from Evander Holyfield in 1999. Yeah, and then going on to the last, so this is 12 fights. That, so you had the UK and the US heavyweight world titles on the line where there were rematches. So 12 fights with six rematches. Now the other one is very recent. It was Anthony Joshua's lost to Andy Ruiz Jr. And we don't need to go too much into the detail of it, but on the 1st of June 2019, his debut at Madison Square Garden, he was to lose his first professional fight against in a shock defeat one of the most shocking defeats in heavyweight boxing history against Andy Ruiz Jr. Now, many people will straight away say, hey, he's Mexican. He, he, well, he is Mexican, but he was born in California. For me, he kind of, he's American. Where you're born is where you, I, I would say you reside is. So, therefore, Andy Ruiz Jr., for me, on this situation, he's American. He's an American-Mexican or Mexican-American, whatever you want to call it. And then, obviously, Anthony Joshua did claim back his titles with WBA, IBF and IBO. World titles against Andy Ruiz on the 7th of December in 2019. So only last year, obviously, back up in uh, in Saudi Arabia. So Anthony Joshua is still the current champion. So 12 fights there, six rematches. And for the listeners who are interested, that's four wins for the UK fighters, seven wins for the Americans, and, and one draw in the midst of all those 12 fights. Which, pick what you want to do with that. I don't know. Uh, does that mean Wilder beat Siri? I don't, who knows? You know, it's just a statistic. You know, you do what you want with it, but it is fascinating to just look through. And so there it is. That's the rematches, anyway. Well, this is interesting bit of information, really, because that means that the Americans have that slight advantage over us Brits, which is interesting because, again, bragging rights come into it. So the American listeners, which we really appreciate listening to us, I'm sure you'll be sat smiling at this moment in time when you're listening to it, <laughs> thinking to yourself, yeah, we'll show you Brits. We're going to see what happens on that Saturday night. But 
before we do that, of course, we're going to go into another segment of this particular UK versus USA episode, and we're going to talk about all the UK versus USA world heavyweight title fights from the beginning of the era of gloved boxing so johnston big shout out to you first of all for putting all this together really because obviously there's so many different fights that have have happened over the course of history and we've got them all listed here on paper that we're going to go through and we're going to touch on as many as we can as possible that we know about that we've been able to obviously capture and know information about so let's start it off with the the very first one then in particular we're going back to the era of the 19th century and we go into 1897 and we go into the 17th of march where bob fitzsimmons knocks out james j corbett in the 14th round to win the lineal heavyweight title at the Racetrack Arena in Carson City, Nevada. Yeah, that was the title that Bob Fitzsimmons picked up, obviously, before going on to fight James J. Jeffries, which we've just mentioned in the rematches. Obviously, he loses that in 1899 and then loses the rematch in 1902. So the next big fight between an American and a British fighter was 35 years later, and it was Joe Lewis with a 15-round unanimous decision in his first defence of the NBA, MY. SAC, the ring and lineal heavyweight titles, against Tommy Farr on the 30th of August, 1937, at the Yankee Stadium in New York City. Wow. 35 years <laughs> later. It took 35 years for one of our Brits to be good enough to, to go in there and fight <laughs> one of these great American fighters. And boy was Joe Lewis a great American fighter. And I will give props to that because he's one of our favourites here on BTR Boxing Podcast. We've loved speaking about him. We've loved covering the legendary nights with, obviously, Max Schmeling. So, again, just giving it a cheap plug, go and check out the Legendary Nights podcast. You won't be disappointed. So, 18 years after that, that's how long it took for another UK versus USA World Heavyweight title matchup, and it was in Rocky Marciano's 38th professional fight. He stopped Britain's Don Cockell in the ninth round of a scheduled 15 on the 16th of March 1955 at the Kazar Stadium in San Francisco, California, to retain the NBA, the ring, and the lineal heavyweight titles. Now, following Rocky's retirement... Floyd Patterson became the NBA, the ring, and the lineal heavyweight champion, and he made his fourth defence when an 11th round knockout of Brian London on the 1st of May 1959 at the Fairgrounds Coliseum, Indianapolis, Indiana. Crazy, isn't it? I mean, it, it took a while, 18 years, Rocky Marciano, and then obviously Floyd Patterson after that, a few years later, for 59, and then following that, it was the current WBC, the ring, the lineal heavyweight world champion, and one name we'll all know and one name that basically just destroys every single Britain that ever he ever fought and that man obviously is Mohammed Ali and he travelled to England for the second time and he defeated Henry Cooper in six rounds by a technical decision obviously with the cuts on the 21st of May 1966 at Highbury Stadium London and then three months later Mohammed Ali knocked out Brian London Brian London got himself another world title shot but unfortunately ended in three rounds for him at Earl's Court Exhibition Centre in London. So we move on then from 1966, and it was nine years later, and once again it was Muhammad Ali. He'd come back from his exile, he'd come back, he'd been in fantastic fights with obviously Joe Frazier and George Foreman, 
and he would go on once again to defend his WBA, WBC ring and lineal heavyweight titles against Britain's own Joe Bugner by a unanimous decision on the 30th of June 1975. And it was in Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia. This was part of Ali's career where he was going around and he was fighting in different parts of the world. And obviously we've covered the career profile of Muhammad Ali for the Career Profiles podcast that we run as well. So it's good to to get these names and some of these significant fights that we've spoken about. And obviously Ali's career is one that we've significantly covered in that podcast. So if you do want to check out a little bit more about that, you can go and check out the Career Profiles podcast feed. So that was 1975. And it'd actually only be a year later when we'd next see a UK versus USA heavyweight title fight. Yes, and once again, it's that man, Muhammad Ali, fought his sixth and final British opponent with a fifth-round knockout of a, rich, of a certain Richard Dunn on the 24th of May 1976 in Munich, West Germany, and obviously retained his title, WBA, WBC, the ring and the lineal world title. So, Muhammad Ali, hugely significant in the Americans' rise. The, the only fight we've had so far, that's 10 fights in, is Bob Fitzsimmons, winning his fight against Colbert in 1897. So, (laughs) completely dominated by the Americans. And 10 years later, Tim Weatherspoon's made his first defence of the WBA heavyweight title after beating Tony Tubbs. And he beat a certain Frank Bruno with his first world title shot and he stopped Frank Bruno in 11 rounds on the 19th of July, 1986, at Wembley Stadium in London. So, it's Bruno's first attempt at a world title and obviously... Can't short against old Tim Riverspence. And it was an agonising one for the Brits because obviously Bruno was our big great hope at this point in time as a boxer and it was an agonising defeat and one that still pains a lot of British fans today when they speak about how close Frank Bruno was to becoming a world champion on his first attempt at becoming a world heavyweight champion. So yeah, it's an interesting one. It's a fight you should go back and check out. And if you are a bit of a historian and you like to check out some of these fights, that's a good one to go and check out. If you're a British fan, you probably don't want to go and do it because it's just <laughs> agonising to watch how close he really was to potentially becoming the champion there. So following that then, we talked about this a little bit earlier on. And following Mike Tyson's destruction of Michael Spinks in 91 seconds, the WBC, WBA... IBF, the ring and the lineal heavyweight champion, knocked out, guess what, Mr. Frank Bruno yet again. And we spoke about this earlier. This was in 1989, 25th of Feb, when he knocked out Frank Bruno. And the little side story then, this was the fight that we've spoke about with Frank Bruno, where he was supposed to fight him a little bit earlier, but he ended up fracturing his hand, Mike Tyson. And this is a story I know you love to tell. Just tell the listeners who have not already heard this story why that fight got postponed for a little bit longer, and why did Tyson end up fracturing his hand? Yeah, he broke his hand in an altercation with Mr. Green, Mitch Green, the absolute fruitcake who fought Tyson. And, and went 12 rounds with him. He had an obsession with Mike Tyson, and he actually followed him to a in, into a, it was like a clothes store for a, to do with a leather coat that, that Tyson was buying. And he found out he was in town, and and Green, Mr. Green, the absolute fruitcake, showed up and and just confronted Mike Tyson, telling him he owes him some money for the fight that they had. <laughs> and it basically didn't end that well for him because he ended up getting knocked out, Sparko in the shop, flat out on his ass. And it was the next day in the New York Times and across every paper in New York City. And you just see a massive picture of of Green with this massive shiner after getting absolutely walloped by Mike Tyson. And, and it was from that punch, Mike Tyson actually fractured his hand 
delay in the fight with Frank Bruno. But yeah, go and check out Mitch Green. He's an absolute nutter. And uh, <laughs> he's got some, some some fascinating videos on YouTube. And if you don't, if you don't laugh out loud, I will be very surprised because he's just, if you like that sort I mean, I do. I'll just find, it's, it's a tragic story, but he's a right character, put it that way. But yeah, so Tyson, yeah, fractured his hands before that fight. Got postponed, but obviously Mr. Bruno didn't quite work out for him. Got done. <laughs> so following Reddit Bowl's infamous dustbin press conference that we spoke about a little bit earlier on, where he vacated the WBC heavyweight title, Lennox Lewis made his first defence with a 12-round unanimous decision over Tony Tucker on the 8th of May, 1993, at the Thomas and Mack Centre in Paradise, Nevada. So, the next fight will be one where people think about it off the bat and think, hang on a minute, that doesn't sound like a Brit versus an American, but actually it was. So, the WBO champion at the time, Tommy Morrison, or Tommy Gunn from Rocky Five, if anybody doesn't know who he is, he lost in a shock first round knockout against the British American Michael Bent, who's got an absolutely unbelievable story and documentary out there that I would employ you to go and watch. So Michael Bent was actually born in in London. He, he initially was born in London, as was Lennox Lewis, and then was moved over to America. So he was a British American who won the WBO World Heavyweight Title on the 29th of October, 1993 at the Convention Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So it was about bloody time that we got not only Lennox Lewis, but we had Michael Bent becoming heavyweight champion of the world. And it sounds like beauty, music to my ears when we start to hear the world heavyweight titles coming to Britain. Yeah, finally, we're starting to get one over on the Americans. It's been pretty poor of, of up to this point. And, and as you say, obviously, Michael Bent, a British American, do what you want, what, what you want with that. Born in London, you know, he, for me, he will go down as a Brit. So uh, Lennox Lewis was the next man, and he made his first defence of the WBC title with an eighth round stoppage of a guy called Phil Jackson on the 6th of May 1994 at the Convention Hall at Atlantic City in New Jersey. And then obviously, not long after that, he had the big upset against Oliver McCall on the 24th of September in 1994, in front of his home crowd in Wembley. So, although we had Bent and we had Lewis, in the end, obviously, Bent lost his title, when it would go to lose, and then Lewis would also lose his title against Oliver McCall in 94. Another one that's interesting in the history books as well is Riddick Bowe making another appearance. So, a couple of years earlier, he dumped the WBC title in the bin, and in this particular fight, he went on to fight... Herbie Hyde and knocked Herbie Hyde out in six rounds on the 11th of March 1995 at the MGM Grand Garden Arena in Paradise, Nevada. So Reddit Bow making an appearance again in, in this particular episode, but it was finally time at this point for one particular Brit to go on to win a world heavyweight title. And for me personally, this is probably the one that stands out the most in terms of emotional attachment to it. So In 1995, on the 2nd of September, Frank Bruno finally won a world title by beating Oliver McCall for the WBC title over 12 rounds at Wembley Stadium in what was probably one of the most emotional British heavyweight wins in boxing history, personally, for me. And I think there's a lot of people out there, uh, a certain generation, that will feel exactly the same. It was an unbelievable night 
for British fight fans when Frank Bruno finally won the World Heavyweight title. Just putting things into perspective a little bit here for maybe the American fans that listen to the podcast. When we were speaking about, obviously, Lennox Lewis being born in Britain and then going over and fighting for, say, Canada in the in the Olympics, and then people always having this bit of a stigma around Lewis as him not being a true Brit. I mean, that's bollocks, first and foremost. But secondly, people always had this love and affiliation for Frank, and he was the one that never got the world title. Obviously, Frank and Lewis, they did actually fight in 1993. It was a great domestic fight in 1993, which... If you American fans have not seen that, go and check that one out. It was a fantastic fight. But Frank had had his opportunities at a world title. And this was the one night where everything was stacked in his favour for a change. And he finally got the world heavyweight title. And, and it was just amazing. But then, as we've pointed out earlier, and which we'll be moving on to next... It would be very, very, very short-lived for Mr. Bruno. Yeah, it would, and, and I'm with you, Sean. I mean, looking at all these fights, I mean, Frank Bruno was a massive, massive favourite of mine growing up as a kid, and my mum actually worked in a pub at the time, and I used to sort of be upstairs, and, and it, was, it, was, it was sort of late-ish, but I used to be up to upstairs, and with it being, I believe it was on, I'm sure it was on Sky, it was on Sky. And uh, they didn't have Sky upstairs, and, and with it, obviously, I was a bit underage, probably shouldn't have been in the pub, but they let me stand by the doorway, and I could just sort of see with their head. I could work out what was on the screen, and they got me a little stall, and I managed to watch the fight, and and I must say, like, I, I was just, I pestered my mum, I was like, please, you've got to let me in the pub, and they were like, worried that the old Bill come in, God, we're bang, they're banging trouble with this underage kid in here, but... And I just, one thing, it's just a, a memory of mine, and, and just watching the pub, and and how just how much people really wanted Bruno to get. And as a fight itself, not quite as... It wasn't a great fight, let's be honest. It wasn't a brilliant fight. But just to see Bruno finally win that world title, and I remember, just remember the pub erupting, and, and, and uh, it's just a, a memory and an emotion I will never forget in boxing for me. And that's why Frank Bruno is always dear to me, Art. And, and this win was just magnificent. But as you say, it didn't last long. His next fight, Mike Tyson, down in three rounds at the MPM. <laughs> And he lost his title. He was all devastated, obviously. And that was his last fight for Frank. Obviously, we all know what happened with Tyson later on. He obviously moved on and, yeah, WBC title. So, yeah, didn't last long. Tyson won back his title and got rid of Frank Bruno quicker than he did the first time. So, as we touched on in the rematches segment, Tyson would actually vacate the WBC title, leaving Lennox Lewis to go on to become the champion at this point. But... It would be a certain turn of events for Mr. Lennox Lewis because obviously a couple of years earlier we spoke about him losing to Oliver McCall in a shock defeat. He would obviously go on to win and get revenge over Oliver McCall by beating him with a fifth round knockout which we've just touched on a little bit earlier. Not really regarded as a knockout but on the records it does go down as it. So that was in February 1997. Now the next one on the list is probably one that people will not automatically go to YouTube to look at because it's not really a particular fight where I can say it gets you salivating at the lips, to be honest with you. <laughs> so this one, was this happened on June the 29th, 1996, and this was Henry Akinwade winning the vacant WBO title with a third-round knockout of Jeremy Williams at the Fantasy Springs Resort Casino in Indy Hill, California. So, again, it's not one that springs out to, to most boxing fans. Maybe 
you know, your avid historians will probably know this off the top of their heads, but again, it's not one that you, you think about. It's one that you probably overlook, and, and to me, so's the next one as well. Herbie Hyde getting a win over Tony Tucker on June the 28th, 1997. Him winning the vacant WBO title as well. Again, it's these are fights and, and sort of obscure fringe champions. These are like... These are like you guys that you don't expect to win a world title, but the circumstances at the time allowed them to. Certainly did, and Herbie Hyde took advantage of it. I mean, Henry, I can, I can one day was definitely one I, I, I completely forgot about, and then obviously Herbie beating Tony Tucker, and then he would go on to beat a Damien Reed as well, another American guy on the 28th of June 1998. In, in Manchester to retain his WBO uh, world title. So two, two guys in there, you wouldn't necessarily, as you say, jump on YouTube and watch, but, you know, they were the champions and they were legitimate champions. I'd consider the WBO as a legitimate world cha- championship in, 19, in 1990, especially late 90s. We got that one in there, it had to be in there. And, uh, but Herbie Hyde was a decent fire. I think he, yeah, sometimes he gets overlooked and forgot about as well. So, but yeah, moving on, an experience, another great fight. Once again, it just pops up. WBC lineal heavyweight world titles. Fifth round knockout of Shannon Briggs. Let's go, champ. On uh, the 28th of March, 1998, at the Boardwalk called Atlantic, New Jersey. And I must say, what a great fight that was, Sean. Oh, man, I tell you what, this is one of them underrated Lennox Lewis fights where when you say go and look at a YouTube fight, we were talking about the Yak and Wandy and Hyde fights. If you've not seen the Lennox Lewis versus Shannon Briggs fight from 1998... It's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Both of them throw bombs in this particular fight. Great fight. This was an early, lot slimmed down version. Shannon Briggs, when he had his full dreads, uh, and he was a young, hungry prospect who didn't have his persona that he has now, which is created for himself, but he was a, a, a fantastic champion in his own right. Obviously, Shannon Briggs was a world champion at one point in his career when he beat George Foreman for the world title. So, Lennox Lewis retained his WBC and linear title, obviously getting that fifth round knockout of Shannon Briggs. And then that's where we move back on to the Lennox Lewis-Evander Holyfield saga, when obviously Lennox Lewis and Evander Holyfield fought to a controversial draw on March the 19th, 1999 in Madison Square Garden, New York. But then in the immediate rematch for that one, Lennox Lewis would become the undisputed heavyweight champion with a 12-round unanimous decision over Holyfield on November the 13th, 1999 at the Thomas and Mack Centre in Paradise, Nevada as well. So Lennox Lewis pops back up again throughout the 1990s at the back end of it, at the back end of the decade, becoming undisputed heavyweight champion at this point in time. And the next couple of years, again, would be the era of Lennox Lewis as the British heavyweight champion. It really was the era. I mean, we had it with Muhammad Ali just defeating all of our Brits. And it was Lennox Lewis for us, defeating all the Americans. And he'd done the same second-round demolition of uh, Michael Grant on the 20th of April 2000 at the MSG, where he retained his titles. And then he would go on, obviously, as we just mentioned, against Hassim Ratman in that shock defeat in South Africa, that fifth-round KO defeat to Hassan Ratman and then obviously he would go on to retain his title or to gain revenge sorry and uh, and regain his titles against Hassan Ratman before fire knockout at the Mandalay Bay November 17 2001 uh, in Nevada again so Lennox Lewis featured quite prominently obviously moving on to number 30 the 30th fight for uh, UK against Brits and I'll let you introduce this one because well this is an absolute classic I think this is the one where most people would class as probably the most significant fight out of the UK versus USA heavyweights. And 
I'm talking more people of our generation, more people that are in the 30s. Anyone that's, you know, probably in the early 20s will look at some of the later ones that we're going to discuss in a few moments. But this particular one for me personally, although the fight happened five or six years too late, it was still so significant. So we are referring to June the 8th, 2002, when Lennox Lewis and Mike Tyson finally, finally got in the ring against each other after what was a, an unbelievable unbelievable but infamous build-up to this for fight you had Mike Tyson at the end of one of his fights saying about how he's going to meet Lennox Lewis's children and then you had the moment on the podium where Tyson would go over and start scrapping with Lewis and bite him in the leg you know it's a big fight when you get guys like Michael Buffer and Jimmy Lennon Jr. announcing the fights but this would be the one one of the one times in history that I can remember in my time as a fight fan where the promoters all worked together. The TV networks all came together. Even the ring announcers came together for this particular fight. It sends shivers up my spine thinking about the line of security in the middle of them, in the middle of that ring, that big line of yellow shirts separating the two of them. You had, obviously, Jimmy Lennon Jr. doing It's Showtime. Michael Buffer doing Let's Get Ready to Rumble. The fight itself, I wouldn't say lived up to the hype that was there, but I do think the, the significance it has in boxing history is obviously rightly there. So this was when Lennox Lewis, of course, knocked out Mike Tyson, defending and retaining his WBC, IBO and ring and lineal heavyweight titles of the world in Memphis, Tennessee. It was staged in Memphis because he had, actually couldn't get a boxing license in Las Vegas, which is where they originally wanted to, to actually stage the fight. But because of Tyson and the way he'd been inside and outside of the ring, he wasn't able to get a license for it, so they ended up in Memphis, Tennessee instead. And it was just significant. I mean, I know it was so many years too late, but for God's sake, man, this was like one of the moments and iconic pictures and picturesque moments of boxing where no matter which generation you're from, it's you're not going to forget it. No, you're not. And, and it's, it's one of my... I think many people would say this is the biggest fight of the lot between a, a Brit and an American and... And it, it, I mean, as you say, it, it happened way, way, way too late. But it was just intriguing, nevertheless. I, I mean, I enjoyed. Just, I always felt that Lewis had his number, and I was, I, you know, for me, I was a Lewis fan like usual. So I was pleased he got the win. But what I mean, the build up to it, it was just huge. You had everything about it, and and you know, it's one I will never forget personally. And. And it was a great win for Lennox Lewis against Mike Tyson to finally get the fight on. It just seemed to just take an eternity as well, didn't it? But great win for, for Lennox Lewis and, and, and one that I finally remember as well. It would take another eight years before we would end up seeing a Brit and an American in a world heavyweight title fight. So eight years from the Lennox Lewis era and David Hay had moved up from having a fantastic cruiserweight career, decided to dip his little toe in the water at the heavyweight division. <laughs> No pun intended there. So he decided to move up to heavyweight. He did end up winning a WBA heavyweight title against Nikolai Valuev in 2010. And what would then go on to happen is would then defend it for the first time against John Ruiz with a ninth round TKO on April the 3rd, 2010 at the Emian Arena in Manchester. And again, I have good memories of this. 
John Ruiz, for me, at this particular point of his career, was probably over the hill. Obviously, he'd had some great fights with Holyfield and Roy Jones Jr. in the heavyweight division about six or seven years before. But David Hay, obviously, was the guy that was shooting his mouth off, as always. Not like David Hay to do it, but he wanted them big fights in that heavyweight division. And he had to solidify himself as a, a legit heavyweight. He beat the monster in Valuev. He then defends against John Ruiz. So that was another win for the Brits over the Americans there. And then it wouldn't be until 2016 where we'd then see the dawn and the birth of a new British heavyweight era. Yep, it was in it. Well, it is. It still is. And obviously that was when Anthony Joshua won the RBF title from Charles Martin. As you mate, were you really out of that opponent? But yeah, April 9th, 2016 at the O2 Arena, and Joshua picked up his first world title. And he would go on to make a defence in his next fight against Dominic Brazil. His first defence, seventh round knockout of Dominic Brazil on June 25th, 2016 at the O2 Arena. And obviously Anthony Joshua at this time was picking up those titles that had been sort of fell away because of Tyson Fury, obviously, going into retirement. We had all these different organisations, different belts that all of a sudden become vacant. And Charles Martin, I think he initially, he won that against, was it, was it Arthur Spitzer? I think it was, wasn't it? And he'd done his knee in. And that was why Martin won that title and obviously Joshua won it for him and then Dominic Brazil he defended that title against him um, in 2016 before then obviously going on against fight another American. Yeah he then go in and make his third defence of the IBF title stopping Eric Molina in three rounds December the 10th 2016 at the Manchester Arena so this is where we get into more recent times now of course and ironically now the next fight on that particular list is the one that we're looking forward to in this particular fight week. So, it was 2018. It was the return of Tyson Fury coming back after having two tune-up fights to take on the formidable Deontay Wilder for the WBC heavyweight title of the world. And we've got a big fight preview coming up, so I won't talk too much about it. But, obviously, it was a great fight. Fantastic fight for the heavyweight division. Really, really reignited a lot of people's love for the heavyweight division alongside obviously the resurgence of of British heavyweight boxing and and obviously us getting some more people involved in the scene with Anthony Joshua winning titles so that fight ended up in a controversial draw and this is why we've ended up with this rematch now but that wouldn't be the last of it really for the Americans and the Brits because obviously there's been two fights that have happened more recently which we've discussed earlier in the heavyweight rematches segment so we had Anthony Joshua taking on Andrew Ruiz on June the 1st again up there as arguably one of the biggest boxing upsets of all time when Andy Ruiz went in there overweight fat little pudding that's what people were calling him and he goes in there and he dethrones Anthony Joshua on June the 1st 2019 yes he did and um and obviously, we know what happened last year, back in the last year on December the 7th, Anthony Joshua in Saudi Arabia managed to, to claim back the WBA, the IBF, and the IBO world titles against Andy Ruiz in a, in a very fine performance for me. I thought he was, he was very good that night, and he, uh, he was, yeah, he played it safe, but, you know, he won convincingly for me, and he didn't need to go in an exchange with Andy Ruiz. And uh, he got his he got his revenge, become a two weight world heavyweight champion, which is which is a great feat for someone like Anthony Joshua, and and this is why Anthony Joshua is obviously the other guy. We've got Wilder, and we've got Fury, and this is why we're doing this is because of these three guys that have ended this list. And and the one thing I say is, you know, from the ones I found, someone may find another fight out there that was 
a title, had a title on the line between a UK and a Brit. If you do, let us know. Drop us an email, whatever. Drop us something on Twitter. But for me, it worked out to be 37 world title fights. And, and although it took a very long time, the Americans dominated, obviously, all the way through the 19th century, going into the 20th century, uh, up until, what, the 80s, going into the... It wasn't until the 90s, really, when the Brits started to get some wins together. So what I did find ironic was after 37 world title fights, the Americans got 16 wins and the Brits got 19 wins with yes. two draws, which is, which, which is actually really fascinating because as well, you whack them two draws, they're very controversial for the American fighters. So in actual fact, you could probably say 21 wins for the Brits, but end of the day, the Brits actually come out on top as a whole in world title fights. Really. <laughs> well make make of that what you will but i tell you what it's a it's a fascinating little breakdown of some of the most notable heavyweight fights involving brits and americans over the years and as johnson's rightly just pointed out there if there are any that we've missed off the list then please let us know obviously we we, we do scour the internet for research to try and find as many of them as possible if we have missed one off then please let us know which one it was because obviously that will make a difference to that little score johnson's put there at the end and of course we might not be celebrating for too much longer if we've missed any more off but i don't think we if we have missed any we've missed many off anyway put it that way i think we've covered the majority of the most significant ones uh, of the past hundred years of course so Obviously, this is the big fight week. This is Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder. It's the rematch. It's the WBC Heavyweight Championship of the World on the line. It's UK versus USA. Bragging rights all around. Who's going to win that particular fight? It remains to be seen. There's a lot of questions to be answered, and they're going to be answered on fight night. So if you've enjoyed this little look back at the UK versus USA Heavyweight Edition, then please go and let us know. Find us on social media at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter. And the Facebook page is also the same name, BTR Boxing Podcast. If you've not already subscribed to it, you can do so by checking us out on Spotify, Spreaker, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review. Let us know your thoughts. Thanks for listening and enjoy Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder 2. Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.